Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Kings. The book of 2 Kings and chapter number 13. The book of 2 Kings and chapter number 13. We are now on the final two messages of our series of Elijah and Elisha. As we've been traveling through and observing these two old prophets, we've been watching how God has used them and how by faith God has done amazing things through them. And now we come to the end of the prophet Elisha's life. And we find him as an old man. But one last time, God wants to use him while he's still alive. And I want you to see this recorded account in the book of 2 Kings in chapter number 13. The book of 2 Kings chapter 13. And I want you to notice with me in verse number 14. 2 Kings chapter 13, starting at verse 14, the word of God says this. Now Elisha was fallen sick of the sickness whereof he died. Now, and Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said unto the king of Israel, Put thy hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. And the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Apec. Till thou hast consumed them. And he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him and said, Thou shouldest smitest five or six times. Then, thou, then hast thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 2 Kings? The book of 2 Kings chapter 13. And notice with me in 2 Kings 13 and verse 17, the phrase... Arrow of deliverance. Arrow of deliverance. And with this, we were going to hit a message of Elisha and the arrows of deliverance. Elisha and the arrows of deliverance. Lord, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the wonderful day that you've allowed us to have, and allow us to join together and hear the precious word of God. And we're asking that you would encourage people's faith tonight, that you would encourage their faith in you, the faith in the word of God, and they realize that you want to use them. You want to use them as an instrument. Encourage them now. As for me, I want to be used as that instrument. So the best I know how, I surrender myself to you, and I allow you to have your hands guide me. 
that you can get your own work accomplished tonight. And we love you. Encourage people now. Strengthen their faith. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In this story, this historical account, Elisha is now 90 years old. And he's on his deathbed. It has been over 45 years since we've last seen Elisha in the annals of Scripture. The last time we saw him is that he had anointed Jehu to be the king of Israel. But that was 45 years ago. And the record of Elisha has been silent up to now. Joash, the current king, has ignored Elisha's warning of falsely worshiping God. Yet, as the prophet was in the sickness that would take him, the king comes and pays Elisha a visit. Notice with me, if you don't mind, as we go back to the book of 2 Kings chapter 13. And notice with me in verse 14. Now Elisha was fallen sick of the sickness whereof he died. And Joash the king of Israel came down and wept over his face. And said, oh my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. When he comes he starts crying over Elisha. And the reason why he's crying over him is because he's recognizing that Israel is losing a treasure. They're losing the conscience of Israel. This man of God for all these years that was used to preach the Bible. That was used to declare, thus saith the Lord. He is now about to pass off the scene. In fact, the king recognizes this and he talks to him. Notice this. He's recognizing Elisha as the chariot of Israel. My father, my father, the chariot of Israel. Elisha was the strength, the conscience. And when Elisha died, there would be something that would be irreplaceable when Elisha passed the scene. But God was not done with Elisha yet. And so whereas the king came and is weeping over the old man, life begins to stir within Elisha. And he says to the king something important. Notice with me, if you don't mind, as we observe this story and what God is trying to teach us about these arrows of deliverance is first of all, what the arrows represented. What the arrows represented. Notice, if you don't mind, as Elisha gives the instructions in verse 15. And Elisha said unto him, the king, take bow and arrows. And he took bows and arrows. So Elisha, you could see him stir and A 90-year-old man in sickness, he goes and looks to the king and go pick up those bow and arrows. So the king would go over to the corner and pick up the bow and arrows and say yes. And then, verse 16, and he said to the king of Israel, put thy hand upon the bow. Sorry, and he said to the king, put thy hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon. So what happened is that the king actually takes the bow and he draws it like he was going to uh, use the bow. And so he's standing there with the bow in his hand. And Elisha comes right beside him and takes his hands and he places it on the king's hands. It's almost like a teacher who's guiding a student and teaching him how to pull back the bow. And so you're supposed to grip it with your left hand. And then what you do is you take with your right hand 
or, and draw back the bow and you have to use a lot of strength for it and you have to keep it straight. Then what you do is you look down the shaft of the, the arrow to go ahead and aim and that's how you aim. And this is how you pull back. This is how you stand. And Elisha's there. He's guiding the king. Now the king is a man of war. He knows how to use a bow and arrow. He knows he has more war experience than Elisha can have. He knows how to do this. But what's the purpose of this? Well, as Elisha's instructing the, the king how to pull back the bow, how to use it, old, Elisha's old wrinkled hands are upon him and pulling it back on the string. What this is, it's a picture here that the king is an instrument. And that God is the one using his hands to pull back, to instruct, to guide and that's exactly what God wants to do. Is that God wants to use us as instruments guided by his hands. Instructed by him. You know some might say, well God will do his own work. Elisha will shoot his own arrows. So imagine this. Someone will say, well God could get his own work done. Elisha you shoot your own arrows. Why do you need the king there? But that's not what is there. This is idleness and laziness. Some people will say, well, if God wants people saved, let him do all the work. But that's not how God has designed it. God has designed us to do the work. There is something for us to do. God wants us to use us during the work. He wants to use as an instrument. Now, some might say, well, we could do the work and shoot without God. Come on, I don't need you, God. I could do it myself. Well, if man does his own work, then man gets only what man can do. I don't want to get accomplished what man could do. I want to see what God can do. And so what we see here is that God could do a spiritual work, but he uses human instrumentality. Both are important to get the work done. Let me tell you that there's a division of labor. This may shock you, but God does not knock on doors. God does not make telephone calls. That's our job. But we cannot save anyone. We cannot forgive people of their sins. That's God's job. And so God has set up a division of labor. He wants to use us as an instrument. And he wants to be the one guiding us as an instrument. It is his hands that are getting the job done. God does the spiritual work. He is using us as an instrument. This is what the principle here that he's trying to do. He's trying to teach the king and trying to say, God will guide you if you let him. If you're obedient to him. If you do what God says, God will guide you and things will get done beyond your power. You know that we have a big God. The problem that we run into is that we like to shoot it ourselves. I don't need God's help. I got this. And sure, man can get some things done. But you know, even in a time like this, we don't need what man can get accomplished. Man's accomplishments will fall short in a time like this. We must have God's power. And we must have what God and God alone can do. And so this is what the arrows represent. This is what it is. That God wants to use us as instruments. And he wants to be the one guiding the instruments to get accomplished. 
But what we find next is not only what the arrows represented, but we see the half-hearted obedience of the king. The half-hearted obedience of the king. Notice what happens in verse 17. And he said, open the window eastward. And he opened it. And Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, this is the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians from Apec and thou hast consumed them. So he tells the king, he says, king, open the door, open the east one. So the king opens it up and he says, go ahead, shoot the arrow. Okay. So the king draws back the arrow and lets it loose and it goes and hits the ground. Good. And Elisha says, what just happened is that's a picture of faith. That as you launch that arrow and we're, as you were obedient, God is going to do his work and he's going to let you defeat the enemy of Syria in battle. You're going to defeat him at this certain battle of Apec. And then Elisha says, notice with me if you don't mind in verse um, 18, and he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. And he smite thrice. So the king said, all right, fine. So he draws back another arrow. Two. Number three. And he says, all right, I'm done. And Elisha says, no, do more. Come on. Do more. And the king says, no, I'm done with this. And he sets it down. What we have here is a problem. Let me ask you this question. Why didn't the king shoot more? Why didn't the king shoot more? Well, perhaps he felt empathy for the Syrians. The Syrians were a northern country, and they were determined to kill and destroy Israel. But perhaps the king wanted to work with the enemy. Maybe there's some way I could get something done with them. You know, I don't want to destroy them. I don't want God to wipe them out. Maybe I could still have something. I, you know, if I just beat them a couple times, then maybe we could work something out. Maybe that was a cause. Maybe it was this. Maybe the king felt like it was beneath him to pay, play bowmen. He had better things to do than to shoot arrows out the window. I mean, I'm the king. Why am I shooting bows out the window? That's not even my job. My job is to command battle. This is beneath me. This isn't my job to do. You know what? I'm not going to do this because it's not my job. Maybe that's why he didn't want to do it. Maybe perhaps he thought that three victories were enough. You know, if I beat the Syrians three times, that should be enough to get them to stop. You know, three victories, that's all I need to get. I don't need to get any more like that. That's all I need. Perhaps... He had enough faith to believe in three victories, but he didn't have any faith, enough faith to believe in more than three victories. You know, some people get to the place where, you know what, I could believe that God could help me this much. Oh, but that, that's way too much. There's no way that can happen. And so they stop obeying. They, they get to the place where they think that's enough faith and they quit. Maybe that's a reason. Maybe it was the idea that the king began to doubt that the victories would come. You know what? I know that the preacher is preaching that we can have faith and that things are going to happen. But, you know, it doesn't seem like it's possible in this time of day. It doesn't seem it in the situation that we have. 
that God can make things better in our situation? Well, that sounds far-fetched. Maybe, perhaps, it was the idea that the prophet's plans were stupid. How in the world does shooting arrows outside of a window say, I'm going to get victory? I mean, that's silly to believe that, okay, fine, the preacher says that we go ahead and pray, and that's going to solve our problems. The preacher says, you know what, read our Bible, and that's going to fix some things. Wait, wait. The preacher says we need to gather together and take time to pray during lunch, during this crisis, and that's supposed to make things better? That sounds stupid. That's silly. Can you imagine him shooting the bow out here and thinking this is going to work? If I do this, this is going to have faith? Perhaps after three arrows, he felt silly about playing the part and didn't want to do it anymore. I did three arrows. This is stupid. This is silly. Forget it. You understand if God commands it, we need to obey it. God knows what he's doing. And so what we have here is the picture that God wants to use us as instruments. And he is willing to guide our hands. He's willing to guide as long as we allow him to. That's the thing now. Will you be willing to obey God to allow him to get the victory? You see, the idea is that God had given the preacher to give instructions to the king. And to the king, maybe it sounded like it didn't make sense. Why should I do this? Where it was the idea to see if the king was going to obey And if the king just obeyed, he would have gotten great victory. But it didn't. Which brings us to the last thing here. The anger of the man of God. The anger of the man of God. Notice with me in verse 19. And he said, take, uh, verse number 19, and the man of God was wroth with him and said, thou shouldest smitest five or six times. Then thou hast smitten the Syrians till thou consumed them. But whereas now thou shalt smite three Syria but thrice. You know, if the king shot more arrows, Syria would have been overcome. But he stopped before getting total victory. He said, yeah, you'll get some victories, but you could have defeated the enemy. Do you know that even today, Syria is an enemy of Israel? That could have been solved if the king would have just obeyed. If the king would have just obeyed. Whatever reason it was, this is silly, it doesn't make sense. Oh, I think that's enough. Whatever reason it was, he stopped. Let me tell you this. The biggest heartbreak in the ministry is wanting more for people than what they want for themselves. You know what Elisha wanted for the king? This is a king that was cruel and didn't obey Elisha's voice before. But Elisha says, let me help you now. I want to teach you that God will guide you and that you could be an instrument as long as you allow him to. And you keep shooting, keep being obedient by faith. But the king said, no, no, that's enough. 
No, you could have had so much more. You could have had more for your life. You could have had more victory. Don't be satisfied with that. Keep moving forward. And the king says, no, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. And whereas the king was not realizing what he was leaving, the man of God did know. The man of God saw where he was heading and he was broken hearted because the king didn't take his warning. Because of the king's lack of faith, people would have suffered and they didn't have to. Now when Christians have a lack of faith, others are hurt. You understand, I've been in this for over 20 years in the ministry. And over 20 years following the Bible, it's always amazing to try to give help. Say, I see something that you don't see. And I'm trying to warn you. And the people said, no, I'm fine. I'm good. It's going to be all right. And they discount what the preacher says. And the preacher says, I'm trying to help you. I can see what's going to happen. I'm trying to stop. The preacher tries to encourage someone simple. You need to read your Bible. Well, I, I read one chapter a week. That's not reading your Bible. Let me tell you, you could have so much more. You could have so much more. Well, I'm just satisfied with that. It's enough for me. No, let me tell you, you could have so much more. Well, my prayer life's all right. It, it, it's, it's fine. No, don't you understand? You could have more victories. Why wouldn't you have more victories? Well, my prayer life, it's fine. No, don't you understand? God wants to give you so much more. But I'm satisfied with what I have. The preacher tries to give instructions and he's trying to say, look, this is what you need. And excuses come up. Well, preacher, that sounds all right, but that's not for me. It's not what I want to do. Well, preacher, eh, I'm satisfied with the level of Christianity that I have. I don't want to move forward. I'm good with where I'm at. Well, preacher, you have to understand what you're saying doesn't sound like it makes sense. So I'm just not going to do it. Preacher, I've, I don't like the way that you said that about me and my family. And so I'm not going to listen to it. And you understand? Elisha's broken hearted. He's saying, I'm telling you what you could have for victory. And I'm trying to warn you. And the king says, no, we're good. And Elisha says, you don't understand why be satisfied with just a couple of victories? Why just be satisfied with a couple steps and then have destruction at your door when you could have had so much more? Why not heed my warning when I'm trying to help? Let me tell you, 20 years. And it's amazing. Warn someone, warn someone, and they don't listen. Five years later, they come up. Life's a mess. Family's a mess. And I look at him and say, if you would have just listened to me five years ago, this wouldn't have happened. If you would have warned me when I told you. Let me tell you a secret. Preachers know more than what you think they do. If they're walking with God and they're talking with God and God gives them discernment and they can see some things and they're warning. He's not warning because he has nothing else to do and I got to find someone to pick on. He's not encouraging you to read your Bible because, you know, he's trying to help. He's trying to give instructions. He's trying to say, this is what you need to get victory. And don't you want victory? And so when the pastor gives 
things that are from the Bible that are not illegal, not immoral, (laughs) not unbiblical, but honestly there for help. He's trying to give instruction because he wants to see victories in people's lives. He wants to see people have everything that God wants for them. He wants to warn them from turning to places that are going to get destruction and pull them aside and say, this is how to get the victory. This is where to go. The biggest heartbreak of the ministry is wanting more for people than what they want for themselves. What, is, what do we see here? We see that the principle that God is getting across is that God wants to use you as an instrument and He wants to guide you. And as long as you're obedient and as long as you're submitted to God, God is going to give you victories. The problem is, is that most people check off and stop. I'm good here for any number of reasons. I have enough victories. I don't want to go forward. This is silly. This is beneath me. I'm better than that. I don't think I should have to do that because of who I am. And the excuses come. And they're all the same. Things that I listed here is that the king said is the same excuses I hear over and over why people can't do this and won't do this and won't consider this and won't listen to this. Don't be content with the victories that we do have. Keep going. Keep moving forward. God has something for you. Let God work. And as long as you allow God to guide you, you can see victories and see things in your life. Right now, we are going through something unusual within our country. Something that we've never faced before. And we're trying to figure out how to do it. Let me tell you what the answer is. Is that God will guide us if we allow him to. And if we work together and obedient to the things that God has given us to do. We will see victories through this. Amazing victories. Things that we said, no way. I didn't expect that to happen. By faith, let's try this. By faith, let's move forward. By faith, let's see what God is going to do through this whole thing as we move forward. Because that God that we have is a major, amazing God. With God, all things are possible. We just have to let Him do His work and we do our work. If we're obedient to him and he is guiding us, oh, so many victories can happen. Don't you want those victories? You say, what do I do with this? What I want you to do is I want you to be surrendered. I want you to say, God, whatever you would have me to do, no matter how silly, how ridiculous, no matter if it makes sense, whether it's inconvenient to me, whether it's up there, God, if you tell me what to do, I'll do it. If it's something small. Pastor gave a list of things that I would like to see done in this crisis. Pastor's been asking people for a while to email missionaries. Well, I don't want to email a missionary because, go ahead and state your reason. Well, there's some victories that we lost there. 
Pastor wants you to invite people to join with us online during this time. Well, I don't think anybody will really listen to that, so I'm not going to. We've lost some victories. You understand? This is a time where God can do something beyond what we can think or what we can ask. He can give us victories that we don't even see yet by being obedient to Him now. We just got to be used as an instrument and let God get accomplished what only God and God can do. Let's see God work in an amazing way in this time, in this place, in this hour. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.